My name is Eric Hathcock, and this is my fourth year serving as a small group leader. I got a group of senior guys over here. They're awesome. Love you guys. Um, And tonight, I have the privilege of speaking to you about the subject of money. Now, before we get into the subject of money and talking about what Jesus has to say about it, just want to give you a brief background about who I am. Um, I grew up in a very broken home. My parents are divorced. And that's not too uncommon, but... What is a little bit more uncommon is uh, the fact that I was the only person in my entire lineage on both sides to graduate high school and pursue uh, a college education. So when I graduated high school, I had no support, no guidance, no one to turn to. Um, So I was really just kind of going in blind. And because of that, I made a lot of financial mistakes. I was not a good steward of my money, and um, I paid the price for it. Thankfully, years later, uh, Holy Spirit just kind of got a hold of my heart. I found some awesome scriptures, and I was able to turn my life around. And tonight, i got some awesome things I want to share with you, and I'm looking forward to hopping into it. But that's just a little bit about me and my background. So like I said, tonight we get to talk about money. Now, money is a subject that I'm pretty passionate about. And it's not because I'm stingy or I'm greedy or anything of that nature, but it's because so many people struggle with the idea of money. They struggle with this concept. They mess it up. They live paycheck to paycheck. They're not good stewards. They're in debt, and they struggle. And because they struggle, they have a lot of stress, and they're not happy. And quite honestly, Jesus doesn't want that for you or me or anybody. He wants you to be free, and he wants you to be happy, and he wants you to manage the money the way that he wants you to manage uh, money. So with that being said, the very first question I think we should start with is, why should I care about money? Because if you're a freshman, raise your hand. Okay, so quite a few. So I understand that for you, you might be sitting here tonight. You're like, Eric, look, man, I'm a freshman. I just got to high school. I just finished this middle school thing. I'm just trying to get through. You know, like I'm trying to date this girl or date this guy. I'm trying not to get bullied. The last thing I'm worried about is money. You know, like I don't need another thing on my plate. And I understand that, and I fully respect that. But at the same time, there are a lot of valuable reasons why today you should really start paying attention to money. And I think the first reason why, and Arguably, the most important reason is because Jesus cared. So why should I care about money? Point number one, Jesus cared. There are several verses where Jesus directly refers to money. He has approximately 39 parables, and 11 of those 39 parables directly talk about money or use money in some form of reference. And I don't personally believe you can claim to be a follower of Jesus and not care about what he cares about. If he cares about loving others, you should care about loving others. If he cares about money, you should care about money. So I think that's really where we should start. Why should I care about money? Because Jesus cares about money. Point number two, there are over 2,000 Bible verses that talk about money in some way. Now, I've heard this number quoted as high as 2,350. I'm not going to be that dogmatic about it. I, I don't actually know if that's the exact number. But the point is, the Bible is the living word of God. And if we believe that, then we have to really take a step back and look at it and ask the question, okay, why is God choosing to allow his word to have over 2,000 verses that reference this one subject? I think the short answer is because it's incredibly important. And he wants us to do well in this area, and he wants us to use money according to his will and his purpose to help uplift his kingdom. He doesn't want us to struggle with it. He doesn't want money to cause stress. It's supposed to be a tool that we can use. 
that we can do really well in life with and uplift his kingdom and bring glory to him and also, you know, have a little bit of fun for ourselves. It's not meant to be this thing that our society has turned it into. So there are over 2,000 verses in God's word that talk directly about the subject of money. I think that's incredibly important. Point number three, a significant portion of your life is going to revolve around money. Not in a greedy way, but just in a a necessity way. I mean, you're going to have to earn it. You're going to have to spend it. You're going to have to save it. And you're going to choose to give it. You're going to do so many things that revolve around this idea of money. You're going to do so many activities. You're going to go to work one day for eight hours a day, about 40 hours a week, most of you. And what that's going to do is, why am I going to work every day? Well, I'm going to go to work because I take pride in my work, but also because I need to collect a, a form of living. So money is going to be a big factor in your life. And the last reason why, the fourth reason why, why should I care about money, is because money has the, has, has an opportunity to really affect your relationship with Jesus. If you allow money to control your life, if you make it your God, if you worship it, if it becomes the only thing you really care about, you are not going to have a good relationship with Jesus. But if you view money from the sense that it's not mine, it belongs to God, and I'm a steward, and he has entrusted me to manage it his way, then you are going to receive so many wonderful blessings, I can't even begin to, to talk about it. So money can really impact the relationship you have with Jesus. And if you care about having a good relationship with Jesus, I would strongly encourage you to take the subject of money seriously. So we talked about why should I care about money? Why should you care about money? I think the next thing we need to talk about, this is arguably probably like the million-dollar question. Who does money belong to? I mean, I know I just got finished talking about a little bit how it could belong to God, but there are a couple of options, right? Option one is money belongs to me. And from a secular point of view, that kind of sort of makes sense, right? You work for it. You know, you're the one who chose to go to work, get a job, or... And I know a lot of you probably don't have jobs. I started working when I was in the 10th grade and worked from 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, about 32 hours a week while going to high school full time. Ninth grade was the only year of high school I didn't have a job. And so in high school, I I very much knew the value of a paycheck. But if you don't have a job, you may have an allowance. Your parents say, hey, clean your room. Here's some money. Hey, take the trash out. Here's some money, right? Well, and from that standpoint, you may be like, I'm the one who cleaned the room. I'm the one who took the trash out. I'm the one who did all these chores. It's my money. And again, from a secular point of view, that might be an okay way of looking at it. But there's another way of looking at it. Maybe, just maybe. Who does money belong to? Maybe money belongs to God. Crazy idea, I know. But maybe money belongs to God. And, you know, I went digging in the Bible, and I'm like, hey, Maybe there's some verses to help back this up. So I want to talk about Psalm 24, 1. And it simply says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Now I was thinking, wow, you know, that's, that's pretty spot on. It's pretty clear. You know, that makes a lot of sense. You know, that kind of answers the question, like, who does money belong to? Because what does everything belong to? But I was like, you know, maybe, just maybe. Maybe, that, that maybe I took it out of context. Maybe I read it on an off day. Maybe it was the wrong version of the Bible. Maybe that verse doesn't apply to me. Maybe there's something more. So I went digging for some more. So I found another verse. Deuteronomy 10, 14. Look, the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it 
all belong to the Lord your God. And at this point, I'm just like, man, wow. And, you know, really, I, I, I have a tendency to make things a little bit more complicated than they need to be. And that's what I did here because really all I had to do was go to Genesis 1-1, right? In the beginning, God created, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created it. He made it. He owns it. Does that mean me? Yes, that means me. Does that mean my house? Yes, that means my house. Does that mean my dog? Yes, that means my dog. Does that mean my money? Yes. Yes, it means my money. And so we talked about why should we care about money? Who does money belong to? Well, there's a lot of reasons to care about money. I would say probably most important is because Jesus cared about it. But secondly, who does money belong to? It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. We're simply being trusted, entrusted to manage his money or to manage the money he entrusts us with his way. So I think what we really need to look at now is how does our culture say we should view money? And when I say culture, that's our society, the city we live in, the people around us, this world, United States, the entire planet. How does our culture say we should, we should view money? Well, the, the culture way of viewing money starts off with we own our money. You know, we just got finished talking about this. We own our money. Money's mine. I did the work. I earned it. It's mine. It belongs to me. I own it. Money's mine. The second thing that culture really has a tendency to, to teach us is buy as many things as you want. Buy as many things as you can. Spend, 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 and I forgot, spend some more. Black Friday's coming. <laughs> so many people just, you know, save their money, and on Black Friday they just go crazy, right? And they spend like a 14-hour workday basically just going and just shopping and shopping and shopping. We've got to go to Macy's. We've got to go to Kohl's. We've got to go to Best Buy. We've got to hit it all, right? Buy, 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 spend, spend, spend. The world really encourages you to spend your money, right? So what's another thing that the, that the culture encourages us to do? Well, it doesn't really encourage it, but around the subject of giving, it kind of just says give. If you feel like it, oh, and only from what's left over, Right? I mean, that's, that's kind of what it says, right? I mean, if you're talking to somebody, they're not really from a, relig- a religious background or if they're not really, uh, if they're not a follower of Jesus or anything, and if you, if you get on the subject of money for some reason, giving isn't really something that comes up quite often. It's just not. Um, every now and again, you'll see a commercial, you'll kind of feel bad for the kid on TV. Okay, here's two bucks, that's nothing to me, right? But in the grand scheme of things, people giving on a regular basis, I got some best friends who have been Christians 20 plus years and they're not giving on a regular basis. The culture really has this mentality, give if you feel like it, and only, uh, sorry, give only if you feel like it and from what's left over. So so basically from the bottom and from scraps. The next thing the culture has to teach us is live paycheck to paycheck. It's okay. Uh, Westridge is going through uh, Financial Peace University, or maybe it just wrapped up. Sorry, I might have the dates wrong. But we just got finished going through this, and I think one of the big statistics that came out of this was approximately 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Now, what does that mean for you? Well, what that means is, like, look at your average adult, your mom, your dad, um, or if you put 10 adults in a room, basically eight of them, if they lost their job tomorrow, they're done for. Like, they they can't pay their bills. That's it. They can't put $1,000 to their name without some form of credit. That's actually scary, I've, lost, I've been working since I was 16 years old. I'm 29 now. I know, pretty old. Um, I've lost a job twice. I've been unemployed twice. I'm a hard worker. I go to work. I do my job. I do the best I can. But sometimes things just happen. Companies go under. Things happen. 
I've been unemployed two times in my life. And both times, without question, I've hit my knees and said, God, I need you because I don't know what I'm going to do here. And finally, after the second time, you wake up and you realize, you know, God's got a plan for this kind of stuff. You know, God says, hey, man, if you, if you start using your money the way that I'm telling you to use it and stop using it the way that the world is telling you to use it, if and when this stuff happens, because emergencies happen, problems happen, it's not going to be that big of a deal because I got you and you're okay and you've already put a plan in place and you're okay. So instead of stressing about, man, where's your next meal coming from, you're just going to be like, you know what, it's okay. I got a plan in place. I've applied God's word in my life. It's going to be okay. So the culture encourages you to live paycheck to paycheck. Now we're going to talk about some opposites of this here in a minute, what Jesus says. But I got one more point here. And this is probably the biggest point. Um, Jay's sitting here on the front row and he did that car, uh, that car video. That thing was awesome, man. You know, like, oh man, got needed by the minivan and nah, I want that Mustang. Like that was a really great video. And it really speaks home to, to what I'm trying to drive here. Because the world says, it's okay to take on debt. Finance everything. JCPenney, JCPenney has a credit card. Macy, Macy's has a credit card. Best Buy, Best Buy has a credit card. Every major retail store has a credit card. Even Starbucks has a credit card. I don't know why you would need to finance your coffee, but they have it. So, so I mean, it's, it's just the world we live in. It's okay to take on debt, finance everything. And unfortunately, the vast majority of our, of our society has believe this, and this is what they practice on a day-to-day basis. Okay, so you're like, Eric, I know all this, man. I live in the world. I got parents. I see all this. I know, I know, I know, I know. Tell me something I don't know. Well, here's something you may not know. How does God say we should view our money? That's the, that's, that's the most important thing here. How does God say we should view our money? Point number one, God owns our money and everything in this world. I know, we talked about that. Man, you keep bringing that up. I know, because it's important. It's not ours. It's his. You have to understand that. You have to accept that. God owns our money and everything else in this world. So that counteracts the point of we own our money. Okay, what about buy as many things as you want, spend, spend, spend. What counteracts that? Well, in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus says this. Jesus says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So while the world is telling you, buy, 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 possess, 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 Jesus is telling you that's not the way, man. Life is not about that. And I don't know about you, but for me, I can humbly and truthfully admit Jesus is way smarter than me. (laughs) He knows way more than I do. And if the culture is telling me, buy, 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 spin, 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 possess, 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 and Jesus is telling me it's not about that, man. Life's not about possessions. It's not about that. I'm going to listen to Jesus. Okay, what about... Give if you feel like it, and only from the bottom. Well, there's a couple of verses in the Bible. Well, actually, there's a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about giving. But here's just a couple for you. So Proverbs 3.9 tells us, honor God with the first fruits of your produce. You might have heard this said, honor God with the first fruits of your labor. And really what I take from that is, look, not only should you give, but you don't give to God from the bottom. That's not how you do it, man. You give to God from the top because God's first. You're saying, God, I'm giving you the best of the best, cream of the crop, top of the line, triple A, however you want to word it, A plus grade quality. Give to God from the first fruits of your labor. Another verse uh, talks about, you know, giving. It says, God loves a cheerful giver. And in this passage, it also talks about, dude, don't give reluctantly. You know, like what good does it do you or anybody else when you're like, all right, I got to give the reckless offering. You know, here's five bucks I get. Oh, my goodness. 
That used to be me. I used to reluctantly give. I got no joy out of it and not even sure if God was even, well, God can use anything. But the point that I'm trying to illustrate is that I was holding back that money, right? I was holding it back because I was being reluctant. God loves a cheerful giver. He wants you to be happy about giving. And I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, I got a story I'm about to share here in just a second. Look, I'm telling you guys, I gave my life over to the idea God owns it, not me. I'm going to give, and I'm going to give cheerfully. And I'm going to give what I'm supposed to give, and I'm going to give a little more than that. And without question and without bragging, I'm just trying to honor him tonight. you got to believe me when I say that. I'm just trying to honor him. God has blessed me ten times over. My wife, my son, and I, we do not want, we do not need for anything. And it's just, I, 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 can't, I can't really pour that into you more than that. Money is such a broad subject, and, like, you need a couple of weeks to really talk about this. And we're barely scratching the surface tonight. But the main thing that I can tell you is do give. Give from the top, not the bottom, and give cheerfully and be happy. Actually, it was Westridge that really had a big impact on me giving. Because on Sundays, before they take up the offering, instead of just being like, hey, guys, it's offering time, you know, <laughs> they come out here and they actually take five minutes and they, and they give you a story behind it. And, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but there was a gentleman that used to work here, and he said, you don't have to give. You get to give. And I know, I've been in church my whole life, I know I've heard that before. But I'm telling you, that day, Holy Spirit was like, Eric, whoop, you hear that, man? Hey, you hear that? And I'm like, yes, God, I hear it. I don't have to give. I get to give. I get to live in America. I get to be healthy. I get to walk. I get to see. I get to go to work. I get to make money. And I get to give that. Thank you, God. Thank you. Honest, honest to God, thank you for that. So what about the live paycheck to paycheck? This one's a little bit longer. But... In Luke 14, 28 through 30, Jesus says this, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and was not able to finish it. Let me put that in plain English for you. Jesus is saying, bro, budget. Watch what you're spending, watch where you spend it, watch how you spend it, estimate your costs, know your living costs, like pay attention, dude. Don't just, oh, we got some money, let's just start spending it. That's not what he's saying. He's saying look at it, estimate it, be smart about it, calculate it, be meticulous. That, that's what this is saying. In fact, every financial guru out there that refers to the Bible about budgeting, without exception, nine times out of ten, they're going to refer to this verse because this verse really hits home when it comes to the subject of budgeting. And we can honestly spend a whole night on budgeting alone. We don't have enough time to go into it. But I'm just trying to counteract everything the culture says with what Jesus is telling you, word for word, verbatim. And this is the last one. We talked about it's okay to take on debt, finance everything. This is the verse that changed my life. Proverbs, Proverbs 22.7. For the rich rule over the poor. And the borrower is slave to the lender. It's a powerful word when you're talking about slaves and slavery. A lot of you are going to go to college. In fact, my guys over here are about to graduate. My guys over here are getting ready to go to college. And they love to make jokes about Eric and money. Oh, Eric, Eric's not going to agree with that on money because for the past four years, the only thing I've done is, hey, guys, Let's not take out student loans. Let's not take on debt. Because 
I was the first person in my family to graduate high school. I was the first one to go to college. I had no guidance. I had no support. I completely fell victim to the, to the school administrators. 19 years old, walk in, and you say, hey, all I know is I got to go to college. I've got to get a degree. This is what I want to major in. I don't have any money. And the guy's like, oh, man, not a big deal. We're just gonna, you're getting a computer degree. I have a bachelor's of science in computer information systems, concentration in database management. And not that that's relevant, but um, <laughs> anyway, um, so, I, you know, this is what I'll major in. He's like, well, hey, this is what it's going to cost. It's going to cost you about $50,000. And I'm like, well, I don't have that kind of money. Oh, man, not a big deal. We're, just take out student loans. I'm like, yeah, I don't really know if I want to do that. Oh, it's okay. Everybody's doing it. Now, that should have been a red flag. Everybody's doing it, so it's okay. I should have ran the other way, but I didn't. I was 19, had no guidance, no support. I was stupid. Signed the paper, signed my life away. Cost of the tuition increased two times while I was in college. It only took me two years and eight months to get a four-year degree. I went full-time right at it. And costs still rose up two times. So by the time I graduated, I had $55,000 in student loan debt. $55,000. My first job out of college, I was making $17 an hour. And this was considered a big boy job through the corporation with my, uh, with my college. The student loan administrator told me when I signed up, man, don't worry about it. You're going to be making so much money. Your student loan payment is going to be chump change. Students, please listen to me. I do not care if you're making $250,000 a year. You probably won't, but even if you are, a $600 student loan payment per month is not chump change. Are you hearing me? Are you, are you hearing me? $600 a month for a student loan payment minimum is not chump change. I don't care how much money you're making. Please understand that. Please get that. I'm speaking from experience here. So $17 an hour converts to approximately $34,000 a year. It didn't take me long to realize, I think I got gypped on this deal. I think I made a bad move, and I did. So for years, I made a minimum of payments. Finally, after a couple of years, um, I, I came to West Ridge, got plugged in into a small group. My small group leader, Robbie Sneed, is just a phenomenal man. I cannot speak high enough of him and his wife. And he radically has helped lead me to these verses and the Dave Ramsey program at Financial Peace University and FPU. Uh, which is what our church just went through. And January 2018, I gave my life over to this verse. Proverbs 22.7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. I gave my life over to that verse. I said, I've got to take charge. I've got to get rid of these student loans. I've got to, non-negotiable. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but God, I'm saying yes. Two days later, I had a buddy that I graduated college with that I had not spoken to and I don't know how long. Call me up out the blue. Hey, Eric, how you doing? Ah, doing good, man. He also works in computers. He's the, he's the boss of an IT team. Calls me up. Hey, man, look, good to hear from you. Hope you're doing okay. Well, look, man, I'm down. I need some help. Keep in mind, I already got a full-time job. What if I mailed you a laptop and you logged 20 hours a week for me and I paid you $50 an hour. And you get to work from home and you can work whatever hours you want. <laughs> yeah. So I told him, I said, you know what, man? I said, normally I would say no. Because I believe in a good work-life balance, but Proverbs 22.7. And this is what I'm trying to do and I'm trying to pay off my student loans. Hadn't spoken to this guy and I don't know how long. I just say, yes, God, Proverbs 22.7. Two days later, calls me, gives me a job. Next week, I'm working. Five and a half months later, I paid off $32,000 in student loan debt. (laughs) 
That's not Eric. That's not Eric Hathcock. That's not what I do. That's not me. That's Jesus and Jesus alone. That's God answering prayer. That's God saying, hey, look, you read my word. You believed my word. You accepted my word. You applied my word to your life, and now I'm blessing you for it. Pay off $32,000 that quick. That doesn't happen by yourself. Yes, I put in the work. Yes, I work 60 hours a week. Yes, I had no life. But God knows I'm grateful for that opportunity. I don't know what I was going to do without that. Now, we're out of time. I need to wrap up. Here's the main point. Hear me out. Jesus owns everything, including your money. We just get to manage it. The responsible management of these God-given resources is called stewardship. When we truly understand our roles as stewards, money is a tool we can use to invest in growing his kingdom, not ours. Thank you guys for the time. I'm going to dismiss this in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, humbly come uh, to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity to just share my story tonight. Thank you for my story. Thank you for what you've done in me, through me. For my family, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for always staying true to your promises. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for proving over and over again just how much you, you love us and how often you're going to be there for us and you're never going to let us down. God, I just I want to pray over these students. They have so many tough decisions to make in this area of money. And if they're not careful, God, Money can come between them and you, and I don't want that, and I know they don't want that. So I humbly just ask, God, that you just work inside them and let them know what they need to do. Encourage them to apply your word to their life so they can just see how truly amazing you are. God, we can't say thank you enough. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.